Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello, and welcome to Thursday. Welcome. Welcome to 136. That was a big lead-up, Seth, for not a lot of fun there. Hey, that's Get used to it. Get used to it this morning. Right, just you know what I think, guys. <laughs> How are you doing? Excellent. There's there seems to be um, a lot of chatter across the Power BI spectrum this morning. There's a lot of things kind of going on. I want to point out a couple key ones here. Um, a link from Melissa Coates on the diagram for Power BI Data Mart's overview. I think is very relevant these days. Uh, I'll throw that in the chat window here. This is for uh, this is the idea of what is a data mart doing inside the ecosystem of Power BI, and how does that architecture live inside the Power BI ecosystem? So, really good diagram. Hi- highly recommend you take a look at it. Um, Melissa does a number of really great training classes, um, diagrams. She's actually writing a lot of the documentation inside the implementation and planning pieces of. Microsoft documentation working with Matthew Roach and a number of other um, really sharp individuals about deploying Power BI. So great diagram shows you a very clear addition of a SQL server analysis SQL server. So Azure analysis services and SQL database basically being the backbone of that data mart thing. So and not just that, uh, it, I mean, it took them four and a half years with data flows to actually have documentation, not on how to use it, but like an enterprise solutions and enterprise approaches to it, how it works in the ecosystem. Um, so it's happy to see that Melissa is doing this now because it's not just uh, what it does, but best practices approach, how the flow should go or things you can adopt. Yeah. I hear a lot of people say, well, I have all these things and I, I don't know what to do with the data pieces. You know, we're bringing data in, we got flat files, what do we do? Typically my, my design has been bring it all to the, to the lake house, build it in the lake house, get it there, and then we'll figure out what to do with it once we get it from there. This adds another option for us to kind of look at. So it's a good, we like it. Yeah, I feel like we should have a call. We're getting to the point where we should have a Saturday bonus call weekly on where does my data go? Is it Azure? Is it Data Marts? What's the updates? What are the new features? Because you can't say there's one best approach, right? Right now with Data Marts, like where does that really fit in? So yeah. I, that I, like every 30 minutes, we should check in on Saturday mornings. Learn anything new? No? Is it going to the same thing? Okay. And see how that changes. That's really true. I mean, there, I was having a conversation with a number of uh, individuals yesterday, kind of a community call with, with Melissa, actually. And we were discussing that kind of thing. How, how do we do data movement? Where does data engineering really need to live? What kind of data engineering are you doing? And which kind of platform serves the best place for that? Is it inside an Synapse environment? Is it inside an Azure SQL database? Right. Or is it something else? Databricks? Some other location where you have that data engineering. So I think the, 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 core, the core of what I'm seeing here is there's a lot of options now. And now you can really tune your workloads for what you for which ser- server or compute do you want to use? Anyways, I think I think the options have always been there, and they're just increasing. But something with like data marts, it has the potential to like disrupt how you've implemented things before. So right. I okay. I like this. Uh, I'm glad this has come out. I'm glad she invested her her skills in uh, creating very useful diagrams that help you kind of grok or also articulate right like what what a change would look like because data marts is one of those things that i think i've been excited about and still am right because of the level of change that it could make in my current or existing process of how i go about developing data and reporting the challenge with that though is it can be very disruptive if you start to go down that route if you already have an in-place implementation or a process and a way right. to do things, right? And the the benefit of adopting new strategies is that you get to use the latest and greatest. The, the challenge I always butt up against is, okay, I don't want to do 10 different ways of doing something then, but because um, it's, it's harder for new people or people that are coming into the ecosystem to pick up and understand how to 
like why do we do it one way for this set and not right. this set right or why is this working this way and i always like to have good ideas or, or a good plan around how we we implement things but at the same time you know is there something in a new feature like data marts that is worth the disruption of you know moving in a different direction with part of your implementations and things like that i don't know that's yeah. that's the hard no. part for me is just yeah. keeping that hmm? streamlined enough for um long longevity yeah and you, yeah uh, yeah the last thing is right to your point Seth. where that we realize how important that is part of our skill set where i'll take that steve jobs analogy again where the ipad the iphone and the computer each had a specific purpose it was better at doing some things than others and with data marks data flows data sets composite models the uh, using azure like what is each of these services that kind of do the same thing better at one than the other right now i don't know how clear that is because I, it's not just data volume it's your team i like your analogy tommy because i think you you take it from a lens of well one thing the reason why i like your analogy is you're comparing a bunch of apple products to microsoft products which is very funny so yeah. that being said you had a lot of discrete devices kind of initially you had ipads iphones mm -hmm. and computers but as the technology increased as the performance of each of those devices increased you saw people shifting away from, I think, PCs and more into iPads and iPhones. So I think as soon as you start seeing the interpolability, I guess if that's a word, as, as those devices are e easier to integrate together, you're seeing what people really want to use starts to slightly shift. And I think potentially what we're seeing here now in the data space is a lot more of the tools are, are being able to talk to each other in a more automated fashion and there now you're seeing this shift happening of, okay, what, what are people actually going to want to use that are easiest and most right. useful to them, as opposed to, well, I just always have to use SQL because that's what a database is. It's, right. We don't have to have this traditional mindset all the time of what it, what it always has been. There's new options now, potentially. Anyways, yeah. Thanks, Donald. Interpolability. Yeah. <laughs> Interoperability. Interoperability? I don't know. We'll make up words as we go. It's pretty good. <laughs> As they can work together, as they work together. All right, we'll move on. Enough of that. Um, another kind of, okay, th this one I think is the biggest announcement that kind of came out this week. Jeffrey Wang, who was uh, the, one of the founding developers, creators of DAX, the models, has announced a hidden function. What the heck? Never have seen, have I, have I heard from, you know, someone on the Microsoft product team that there is a hidden function that's out there and it's called evaluate and log. And so what I'll do is I'll put the the you know Jeffrey's actual post on it. If you if you have trouble, I'm gonna make this like an advertisement. Uh, this this podcast sponsored by. If you have trouble making <laughs> DAX do what you want it to do, and you have trouble figuring out what does that variable mean or what is that statement doing inside that very complex DAX statement, you too should go read Jeffrey Wang's blog because in that blog he talks about using this new function which is essentially like console log if you're a coder yeah. or debug print or you know whatever whatever your it's a debug statement <clears throat> that takes all the information of that dex statement that function like a sum or whatever and just plops it out it just spits it out onto um it, it doesn't it doesn't give it to you in a ui it puts it in the um traces of your analysis services model. So you actually have to listen to the traces of your AS model, either locally or in the service, and then you can see what the output is doing. So it's a little bit tricky to get the output out, but this article describes it all. Anyways, it's a really amazing um, <clears throat> feature. Tommy, did you read about it? I think, Seth, did you yeah. hear, You heard about it, but maybe didn't read the article yet. Ke ke catching up on it, but yeah, I mean, it looks pretty... It looks pretty crazy and 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 more fun in the coming weeks because he's apparently just going to keep blogging about the uh, way w which we can extend extensively use it. But I think I That's think really that cool. I think this is a feat like so the fact that it's coming from Jeffrey directly and not going through formal Microsoft channels. I think so. There's a couple reasons why this is happening. One reason that he gives in his blog article is there's some bugs with it. It's not quite working correctly. It incentivized him enough to let people know that this is a good thing. This is something that is very useful. So much so that he also created a DAX debug output tool that you can also go get off of GitHub. 
which I'm actively looking at now to see if we can add it into business ops because that would totally make sense. So you don't have to manage that thing. So um, here's the DAX debug output tool as well. Is there the link for that one as well? Uh, one thing one thing to note though, this this was new as of the August release. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point, Seth. Yeah. You can't get this in anything other than August 2022 release. So this is literally that's hot tough. off the press. Came out, I don't know, the ninth or tenth of this month. So it's only been it out a couple work of days. Data marks. Yeah. So it's only desktop. And again, it let's say it goes the your output of this goes into the interpool, so to speak. Of what but the tool itself, um, and again, I think Jeffrey and probably the Microsoft team is going to be just touching the surface on what this is going to enable for developers. Yep. Because again, we still don't know all the output. We really just know only what um, uh, Jeffrey's tool is doing. But I mean, this is going to help so much from probably performance. I'm assuming it's going to have some of the performance there too. Um, I think Greg Baldini is going to probably be using oh, this. Greg. Bye, Greg. Greg, nice bye, to see Greg. You. We'll see you in we'll see you next week when yeah. you come back with a whole slew of new presentations. And yeah, exactly. Oh <laughs> yeah, Greg, it's yeah. Uh, so, it's the 18th. We expect a, a full presentation by the <laughs> the 21st next Tuesday. We'll just switch up the podcast and let you do a full evaluate and log uh, deep dive for us. When Greg saw the article, he probably cried. He's so happy. <laughs> you know, it, it it it's probably you know. If anyone can you really really use the full features of that function, it would be it would be or, Greg. Or Greg find would, new features. Or find new features how to use it. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a massive feature enhancement. So, uh, a a couple of things that indicate this to me. So another interesting feature of this one is if you go to um, dax.guide and look for evaluate log, those sneaky Italians, they've already got something out there that already describes how it works and and talks a little bit more about the function as well. So if you go to uh, dax.guide, and I'll try and uh, also get the link for that one as well. Um, and look up uh, evaluate and log. I'm trying to type it in and talk with it at the same time, which is very difficult. And I can't even type it right. So see if I got it. Yeah, okay, there it is. Got it. I'll grab that link as well and put that also in the chat window just in case you want to see a bit more information about that doc. Because it's not documented. It's not in Microsoft's docs. Yeah. It's only in uh, Dax.guide, <laughs> which I love Dax.guide. It's the best yes. tool out there for, for documenting things about Dax. It's amazing. Cool. Um, let's see here. What else do we have going on? Tommy's got an announcement. Big announcement from Tommy. Not Viva, that big. Viva oh. Goals launch. Yeah, I thought we weren't doing it. You, you poo-pooed it. Ah, uh, well, whatever. Go ahead, Tommy. <laughs> Take it away. Tell uh, us the feature that you're so excited for that's no one. It's not just I'm excited. <laughs> I think this is significant. So whether or not we're all going to use it. Okay, guys, Viva Goals has been released. You can do a 60-day trial in your tenant. And I started playing around with it last night. And it's goals.microsoft.com. That's their literally URL. So it's very intriguing on how this is going to play with metrics. Are they going to take away metrics? Are they going to tie in together? So I don't know what the user story there is. Um, again, it's OKRs. Uh, there's an amazing book out there called Measure What Matters. It's kind of really based on that it's a life-changing book, I think for anyone in our space and uh, just in the professional world. So read that book. And then Microsoft, they're doing not just the, the technology push here, but they have a ridiculous set of resources and guides on becoming like understanding OKRs too, which is really cool. So, because again, you can't just use this tool if your company doesn't have any objectives and doesn't have anything to target. Honestly, I don't know how this is going to play with power BI, but honestly for us as uh, business intelligence analysts, I really think some way to tie this in where as we develop our reports, and we'll probably talk about this today too in our, our main topic, but you know, it's it's all about what are we trying to make decisions on, right? And if we could tie that in with a company set target and set goals, because a lot of times we don't have any central location to show that. It's some PDF that someone shares on Teams. So yep. OKRs, I think are gonna be really significant. I love the OKR framework and we'll see where this goes. I'm very also concerned slash intrigued how this is going to play with metrics now. I I think this is a interesting feature. The fact that I can't connect to it to Power BI, I'm a little up, I'm I'm let's say I'm reserved. We'll see where it goes. I I'm, I'm not sure yet. I'll give my I, I thought this was like the direct plug-in to metrics. It's like a nothing it, right now. It's like a 
cousin, a distant a second cousin. Feels like it, but it's maybe not quite exactly what goals are doing or metrics are doing. I keep calling it goals. Doggone it! They renamed it. They renamed it from goals to metrics, and I I can't get over it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yes, Greg. They want more money. Yes. <laughs> right. Like so. So. So this I'm is not. This, I'm not familiar like with that. other platforms. Other platforms out there, right? But like the the idea that you have um, an application that has deep ties into teams and meetings and can set structure for a year is is really, I think, powerful for me because in in an organization where we you know do OKRs, OGSMs, et cetera, like you have your high level goals, you go through a lot of planning, you go through these commits and breaking things down for your teams to run efficiently. But what happens is decisions along the way of the year start to in, impede on what those overall objectives are. But if, and if you have a, I guess, a system that is um, helping you drive to reach and meet those goals, right? I think you'd be much more effective as an organization. So, like, I think there's a, a there's definitely a, a value here. It's just I'd love to see how that plays out with everything we were doing in metrics, but I swear when we, when metrics, like when they made the name change in that blog, I like, I swear it was like, here's how, here's where all the, the management that that data is going to come from. And it's going to plug right into here. Yeah. I'm calling it now in the next six months, Viva goals is going to have that tie in where it's basically metrics. You can point to a data point in a power BI report in your tenant. And th there's going to be a huge uh, relationship between that. I'm going to call it today. August 18th. All right, well, we'll see. But instead, I'd rather actually have Microsoft developing more about the fields pane inside Power BI Desktop to make sure that it's consistent across the entire tool. But, you know, whatever. We can put out goals and Mike, Viva goals Mike, and all this other fun Mike, stuff. Come on. Come it's on. never going to happen. I'm 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 got to die on that ship. There you're, there are issues there are okay, issues you so die on. I'm still I still would like to see that fixed. You you're going to you're going to still poo poo and on goals metrics. Viva goals. They it's keep, not your bag, you, baby. You know what? They keep building more of it, and they keep charging me more money. Yeah. So not not thrilled about that. Not not loving the. F Give me goals for free, Viva goals. It should just come with the stuff. I'm already paying an arm and a leg for Power BI. All right. All right. Make it part well, of we'll PPU. You know, make it make I, it add I, it to PPU. I think I'm gonna explore this one further because I, I want a dinner somewhere along the line down here. Oh boy. Deal. Oh boy. <laughs> 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 well. Let's stop talking about intro topics. We've got a ton of things going on. Um, the, I guess, well, we should probably just give the quick, quick homage here to, there are two conferences coming up here in the near future. There is the Data Insights Summit in Chicago. Um, all of us are going to that. We'll all be there. The event dates are September 12th and 14th. Use the code PROMO22 for $100 off your registration if you want to go to that event. We really recommend you, you join that one. That one's going to be very focused on Power BI and data analytics things. So I'll put that in the chat window right now. And then there's another event right behind that one happening in September, September 20th and 22nd, down in Orlando, Florida. This is the Microsoft kind of new conference for the Power Platform. So it's going to be everything. It's going to be uh, Power Apps. It's going to be um, Power BI and all the other tools that they make. So uh, those are the kind of the, the two the key ones. So go there if you want a promo code for that one. There's a promo code in the chat window for another $50 off your registration for that one as well. So go get involved. Go meet with other people in conferences. September has turned into a whirlwind. Everything is happening in September. It's like someone said, hey, we're going to travel now. And like, right. let's all do it in September. So <laughs> it's going to be crazy. So anyways, just thought I'd throw that up there as well. All right. Enough of the intro stuff. Now we're done. Let's talk about today's article. Uh, today's article comes from the Data Goblins, and uh, we're talking about handling report requirements. Really like this article. Uh, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek as well, so I do enjoy the the banter and some of the like the little catchy phrases that come along with this article as well. Uh, I'll put that article in the chat window if for if, for those of you who want to read along. This is what we'll be talking about today. All right, Tommy. Kick us in here. Let's let's start some let's start some topics. So so this is Kurt uh, Kurt Bueller, um, and all, all his articles kind of follow that kind of that flow of writing. So the basis of this article that I think we all fell in love when we first saw it's like, did you see this? 
uh, article is basically taking a situation of existing data sets that whether in Excel or other people were looking at different visuals, like, oh, we need to put this in Power BI. And a lot of times, if anyone's done a migration of a report, it's usually, I see this, I want that in Power BI. And we go, okay, we'll do that. And we build it and it's fine. And it takes a lot of time because sometimes it's coming from a, uh, whether it's coming from an Excel report with BBAs and macros, or it's coming from some uh, Power BI report server, um, yeah, back in the day, or it's coming from something in SharePoint, all these things that we just migrate the exact same format data and paste it on. Yes. What Kurt's arguing here, or he makes the challenge that, yeah, there's kind of a few approaches you take with this, and on a lot of them are not the best approach. And he talks about three main ones and we'll go into that. But the, the real challenge here is when we do these types of migrations, we usually just say, we'll just take what you have and we'll copy it over. But you usually those... say that. I don't always do that. Uh, yes. Yes. Mike. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's why you might, I'm Carlo, always like, right? let's, let's that's... slow down. Let's get some requirements. Let's talk yeah, about I go, what do you want? Let's just do it. Kind of thing. So <laughs> I don't even ask questions. You want a pie chart? I'll make you a pie chart. I'll make you a pie chart. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The, is that how the, the Italians say Mike... it, Tommy? Is that what the Italians do when you get to the a amazing meeting? Mike DiCarlo, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so... <laughs> love, Next Portio strikes again. It's <laughs> turned into a dig. Oh, like man. Yeah, sure thing, Mike DiCarlo. Yeah. Oh, boy. Right, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, but just, you know, I, we've all done it. We've all just done yes. what he calls a lift and shift. But it's really about how do you actually get those requirements and how do you actually change that game, change the process well, of someone just wants a report? I, I think we need to do the appropriate setup because he does a great job setting up the story here and then kind of talks through like the three different parts of this. So the story is you're you're given an existing report. It could be something that's already in Excel. It could have been something that was built in a different tool and you're migrating over to Power BI. At the end of the day, there's an initiative to get it into Power BI. I need this data in Power BI. That's what we're talking about. And so there is the there's three different methods that he kind of speaks to. First item that we talk about is the lift and shift. Basically, repeat what you already had, build it again inside Power BI. The second one is about building a requirements document, kind of defining what's going on. And then the third one is the third option here is kind of a co creation workshop and then doing a little bit of prototyping and kind of iteration on what the report looks like. And so, those are the these are the kind of three key let's call it different ways of being able to migrate something that was existing into something that is Power BI. So yeah. the thing, the thing I also like is the fact that if, if you, there are a lot of key themes we've, we've talked about before that I think resonator we agree with. So hundred um, percent to see where we, we go, but I, what he does a really good job of is um, walking through the outcome. And, and if you're not familiar with why we, you know, agree or disagree or like some of these approaches and the, the, the results of choosing them. I think he does a, a good job of like providing the use case of like, because this leads to, and then there's a whole, like a yeah. story behind this blogger. I, I love how he knits it together. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike our, our previous episode, we were talking about only insights. I think this one ties really well together um, in almost chapters right yep. like hey you can do this and here's the story of what that looks like or you could do this and here's the story of what that looks like and yeah it's it's a really well well written article just off the top everybody should go read it definitely but um let's let's start off with the, it. I, so i'd like to just kind of hone in on you know um the three different areas so first one let's just let, mm -hmm. let's talk lift and shift first and then we'll move on to requirements docs and then we'll go to sure. co-creation so lift and shift you guys gone through lift and shift activities where you're being brought that Excel sheet. I, I love it when people are coming like to me with like the Excel sheet and say, repeat this. And I'm like, why? You already got the answer. Why do I, why am I, why am I spend a lot of effort getting it into Power BI? Like, is, what's the bigger goal here? Right. You know, why, why do the, why you're bringing me the Excel sheet? Why, why are we talking about this? So what are your guys thoughts on that one? Lift and shift. It's funny here because he takes Excel, right? Just an ex existing Excel report. But mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but I've done the same with old Power BI reports that were archived or someone came in and did it. And they're like, we need this done a, a little better because things have been updated, et cetera. Sure. So this is not just Excel. 
This is someone's view. We even taken examples from like other marketing systems or other data systems that yep. I like this format. Can you just do that in Power BI? Mm, okay. And yeah. A lot of people expect or have that assumption that what they see in that particular platform, mm -hmm. we can, they just want to see that same exact thing in Power BI. And it's like, to us, it's like, it seems easy. So in, in the example, and one thing I'll say, Power BI is not good at tables, right? Power, right. Like the, the table customization that you get in Power BI is not of the same quality that I would see in Excel. If you build a table in Excel, you can filter by each column. You can, um, you know, have formulas across the rows and add kind of enhanced columns kind of in line there. Power BI doesn't really give you that ability to give you that rich uh, in visual filtering options, I guess. And you, you can filter it, but you have to put a bunch of uh, slicers around the outside. I mean, I feel like I feel like there'd be an opportunity here for someone to build a visual that is a slicer table visual, right? So, so basically, each column you bring becomes a slicer in its own right, and you can then filter down the data to what you only want to see kind of thing. I think that would be a very useful visual. But in the example that he gives here, he starts talking a lot about there's... Um, there's, you know, kind of the misses here, right? What, what, why, you know, what's the outcome of doing it this way, right? You get the table, it's done, you push it out there, you probably get minimal use. Or you find that everyone goes to that, that report, that Power BI report, and just exports it as a, an Excel sheet or a CSV file, and then does their own analysis outside of this. When I see this lift and shift of just give me the big table, to me that indicates I don't have access to the data that I need to do my job. So I just need you to let me formulate it into something that I can get easily and do some other analysis on top of it. And I think it speaks really well to his three key topics here, right? Number one is this is a missed opportunity to leverage the, the advantage of Power BI, right? Select this, see, see a, a narrow, a smaller window of data, you know, drill through to another page to see characteristics around a particular product or detail. Um, I think that's a, a great observation um you know you get a kind of a suboptimal solution in power bi one for me i'm not really loving the type the table experience in power bi that's just not my favorite way of manipulating data from a power bi data model and then you bring along with that report when you lift and shift it any existing issues i thought this was a really good insight any existing issues are just coming with the new report so if there was challenges with what was, what it was doing before you get those same pitfalls that just kind of gets, you know, it's like when, uh, you know, you build a product and some other person co copies your product and they copy the flaws in the product even. Oh, that was a, that was a tooling die change on there. And I, I, when I, I, I found this other product that's copying us and then, oh, lo and behold, they have the same defect in the same spot. It's not really structural, but, you know, as a mechanical engineer, I saw this all the time where people would copy, copy our products and you're like, wow, it's interesting. Not only did you copy our products so well, you even copy the defects. <laughs> Interesting as well. But you do your job super well. Why? Well, right? Good enough no, that no, people no. want I to mean, copy it. No, <laughs> I guess. no, what I'm saying is like you, you take it to the umpteenth degree of like yeah. incorporating oh, the defects. Yes, exactly. It is going to be an exact replica. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think I think what this outlines is, if I'm going to like snapshot it, is just um, lift and ship has a propensity to misalign, have misaligned expectations between both groups, right? And and he drives towards that in the outcome of the resolution as well, which is, you know, nobody's like, you may get a, a brief ramp up on people using the report, but they quickly realize it's not the report that they used if, to your point, Mike, mm -hmm. the previous report was the, you know, 60% of getting the data that they needed, and then they went and custom built all their own other stuff on top of it, right? Yes. Or what, like, or we're using a lot of the Excel heavy features that are very quick to do in Excel, not so quick to do in Power BI. So just because you've replicated a, a table and it looks the same way, you know, did, did you catch the, the other tabs or, you know, are, do you understand the use case behind, you know, how people are um, absorbing the data? Yes. So. I agree with that one. But yeah, I, I think the, the biggest point here, though, too, with, with this part is it's not so like, obviously, you carry over the bugs, but people are just, you know, they have that idea of what they've seen in the past. And we to us are like, oh, great, this is easy. I already know exactly what to build it's, in a sense. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. build for me, but we still have to take the effort and then restructure in a way that works with Power BI. And then too often, you know, that gain of now that's in Power BI, it's not it's not that um, marginal for users in terms of what they're actually doing with it. We're taking all this time to move something for the sake of moving it. Yes. And not because we're enhancing their experience yeah. or, you know, changing what they can do with the data. So I, I, uh, there, there are a couple other things that I, I think I'll mention, even though I, we may not want to dive deep into them, but like lift and shifts typically happen when you have either an unwillingness to change, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and to this point, somebody's driving a, yeah, we're going into Power BI, but it's got to look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, right? Like, really, we can't have that conversation? No, we can't have the conversation, right? Yep. Or, and that kind of stems to the other part, which is people problems, right? Like, whether that's a, you, you don't know how to engage and have those conversations, right? That could drive to a more meaningful report or report design, um, or the people that you need to communicate with don't exist right. or you don't even know who the audience of the report is and nobody's providing you that information, then you may not have an option. Right. That's, that's an interesting point there. I, I can't, I, the number of times I've gotten a report thrown on my lap where we just need to re replicate this thing because someone's using it, but there's not really the, right. the due diligence on who's using it and what are they doing with that? Right. So you're, it's kind of more of this, this is what we've had. We just need to keep it going. And I think there's an opportunity, especially when you're migrating from other systems. I've seen this a lot. So I've done recently a lot of migrations from Click to Power BI. And so we've been doing a lot of work around getting people off of an old system into the new one. And a lot, and a lot of this is around, well, we, had, we have, a, apparently Click is fairly easy to build reports in. We've got 300 reports. We have to migrate over. Do we? Let's, let's sit down and ask the questions. Is there anything, are all of them being used? Can someone pull the usage metrics on these reports? Oh, wow. Not many of them are being used anymore. Hmm. Maybe we should. Uh, maybe we should think about how we're building reports now. And you know that one report that someone built two years ago that was serving a one-time request may not be useful anymore. So I think, especially when you know, for from a guidance standpoint, as you migrate from other tools into Power BI, there's always this. I think you know, ask the question why. Why are we doing this? Is there a why? Is there in, in? Is there time to ask that question? I think it adds success to the project. That, that does play a little, uh, well, yeah, one quick note on that. If you've ever tried to re, uh, rebuild Google Analytics dashboard in Power BI and with the same functionality, not fun. And this before, not fun. Um, not fun. Nope. They're like, yeah, just do this and then I can. It's just like Google's. Days. Yeah, just get a date selector that looks just like this and does the same thing that Google does. Nope, can't yeah. do it. Sorry, doesn't work. And, the, and this was before calculation groups. Analytics does that like seven days compared to the last seven days and it shows all those metrics. Yeah. Yeah, so totally, mm -hmm. you think it's simple, but I think this kind of goes along to the that kind of next approach where he calls it the "tell us what you need and we'll make it." Yes. So the second the second item here is kind of uh, let's go back to the top of the article here, so I can get the right wordage that he's using there. He's using the requirements document, building more around the requirements, and in here I think it's quite interesting. He actually talks about you know bringing in the consultants. I think this was, I thought this was an interesting phrase that he, he brought in here as well. Bringing in the Mike DiCarlo. The Mike, the Mike DiCarlo. <laughs> Bringing in the consultants. I, and I hope I don't do this, but, you know, so talking about the list of requirements for stakeholders. So it kind of goes, goes into more detail around, okay, let's, let's define. And if, it's interesting throughout this article, there's these little expandable areas called requirements examples. And I really like how he kind of enhances those requirements. The first requirements were around building, okay, what are the facts? What are the dimensions? you know, what's the page look like kind of thing. Very basic. The second requirements here is more around, hey, I want to be able to switch comparisons. I want to have a little bit more, you know, um, other requirements here. I want to be able to see con target comparisons between this and this. And here's the key information that I'm looking for in doing those comparisons from a budget and actuals kind of thing. Um, yeah, thoughts on this one, guys. What do you think about the, the requirements gathering scenario? Tommy, you're the, you're the survey guy. Like you. surveys are completely talk to, talk talk to me about what you force people to do <laughs> so well the, this is honestly the double-edged sword where i think we you could fall into the trap of if i have a requirement stock or a form someone has to fill out we're good right hmm? you know right. uh and, and, and that's, that's exactly the, the this is this right. is the scenario he's outlining right yep. right you you have some static documentation like some form 
you send out to everybody and that's that's how you get enough information to go build the report right and and i think that's the to to occur in this uh this approach that's really the the risk here or the the concern is you can have a requirements augment what field what do you need to measure by what are your targets great i have kpis i have measured by this we're good to go but as you start building that report you realize you're missing a major factor in this and you're really like even if your requirement document said what decisions are going to make like you could have all the questions outlined in that requirements gathering or requirements document but you're still missing like they the user filling that out is uh, constrained based on the question and typing with without having that discussion they're based on how you word the question they're going to be constrained on how they answer it and what really what you need uh, and that's where the problem is here because it's either very open-ended, like, hey, what decision are you going to make? Where they can say something that has nothing to do with the report um, and you kind of tie things together or there's not enough detail at all. And then there's a back and forth. I, I like I, the... I, oh, so has, or sorry, Seth, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, the, the challenge in requirements documentation alone, right, is you... You, mm -hmm. you lose the context. Yes. Right. You know, and, and John even made a point, you know, he thinks option two can be effective with, if you have an established relationship, right. Mm -hmm. But that, that brings with it the context that, you know, you know, the individual filling it out, you know, what they're providing, you have expectations, they have expectations and you're, you're synced. And realistically, the requirements that are, you're, are being sent to you are nothing other than the information that you you've already both well communicated and know how it are going to work so that that could be very successful i think this outlines like the consultant right coming in and and mike, mike to your point we have 300 reports right what do you need to know okay fine like you, let me you, burn it, it would out be like you saying fine you need 300 reports here's the requirements i need on all those and and send it back to me and we'll get started right right um and i think the the danger of just relying too heavily too heavily because I do believe in, you know, eliciting some form of, you know, written feedback or like implementation oh, use yeah. case strategy, et cetera, is that the devil's in the details, right? Like you, it's a starting point. It's not the end point, right? Like you need to follow up yes. because you're, you're not going to understand how the business is using an existing report or how, what their use cases are unless you engage, engage with them. And you can't do that just by sending out documents. Yeah, and I think part of this too is we have to really understand, like the requirements gathering again. While I, I believe essential, that alone cannot be seen as like filling out a form to sign up for like a trial for something. We're like, here's my credit card information. Here's why I want to use the tool because what we're doing, like, yeah, we could build a report that meets all those requirements. You want to see, you know, uh, total revenue based on the rolling average six months. That's important to you guys. You build that, right? And usually people are not going to bulk once you have that end result the the problem though here is once they start using it that might not be something they're going to be using because of again the constraints of they don't know how to answer your questions or answer the questions in a way that is going to be help decision making basically that translation between what they need and what we can build they can have all the data in front of them but is it actually something that they are going to the difference is going to be relying on right it's like here's my data great everything that i i asked for everything in the document okay and bz talks about uh in the route too like what happens is usage would still be low mm -hmm. um and i i think that's a huge part of just relying on we have a form they filled it out they told us our targets we can build that yeah i totally agree um and i also i also like this I think this idea here is he talks about the initial report usage is very high because people are excited to see it and it looks good. It's got like a, a bit, it's to me, it's a bit more, it adds the polish level that it needs yeah. for a good report. So they're by bringing in the consultant space, you get people who are experts in Power BI mm -hmm. and can do more fancy things. Like I'm adding a bookmark, I'm switching some visuals, maybe I've got a navigation, maybe item in the report. So it's adding some more of those functional requirements, those UI improvements around the data. But we're still kind of, in my opinion here, missing the mark around where it like, again, I've said this a number of times in the podcast, your data is a large table of data. Not all of that data is actionable. 
you're looking for the couple rows, the couple pieces, the aggregations of information in a way that you can say, this is an outlier. I got to do actions around that information. So to make more of an actionable report, I think there needs to be more involvement with the business team. And I think to me, this miss in this, um, give me the requirements only and let me go build it. I think there's a miss in the idea that the, in, in the output here, the requirements document, you know, users are not able to really describe their needs and requirements. I say this all the time. People don't know what they want until they've seen it. And they're like, mm, that got me close, but I'm not 100% there. So I, I do think this is more of like an iterative process. And if you're working with people, I mean, all the time, I'll do a live build session with people. I'll sit down and say, hey, let's talk about your data. I've got, so I, the challenge for me is I don't know what your data looks like, really, initially. So it's helpful to get some kind of a report down or at least some kind of a data model created so they can just see the data together. And then once I've got a couple dimensions and facts, I now understand the model. And then we can start talking about, okay, what do we want to build here? Oh, we need some binning. Okay, here's how we have to build some bins for whatever this data looks like. So I did this yesterday with, some, uh, with a client where we did the exact same thing. We were walking through and we were building this bar chart. And we're like, hmm, that's interesting. What if this would look good on a scatter chart? Let's try a scatter plot. Okay, let's put it over here. All right, well, we could change this thing. And we kind of kept changing and picking different metrics and putting things together. And we kind of came up with one or two different versions of a visual that kind of answered the same question. It was like, okay, now you can pick which one you like. Which one feels more actionable to you? Which I felt like was a really good use of our time to be able to, to do something like that. So I thought that was really pretty cool. Any other thoughts? No, I mean, I think that plays well into the next part. Yeah, I, I literally had this, the same conversation last week uh, mm -hmm. with someone where they're like, you know, I really, it's really important to see this field based on, uh, you know, this particular uh, conversion rate, right, over every year. And it was this matrix. And we basically had the conversation of like, are you trying to compare those fields together? Or like, does that matter if, you know, um, category A is 30%, category B is 35 are we doing that? Like, what are you actually doing with that? And having that conversation because they always thought that's what they wanted or needed. They're like, I guess that's not as important to see those two together. That's not, there's no decision from there. Yeah. I mean, again, we have to really understand our ability. And I think we need it. We've emphasized it so much in our conversations, our ability to word and ask the questions correctly and follow up with um, with stakeholders and uh, people that are going to be using these reports is such maybe the most underrated skill in what we do. And I think I'm realizing that more and more because again, you could, and anyone can build a bar chart in Power BI and you can learn how to uh, do a complex DAX or Power Query, but none of that matters if you can't translate or begin to investigate what someone's saying and it's like, okay, what does that actually mean? Is that actually important? Yes. So let me throw out so, an, Oh, go ahead, Seth. Go ahead. I was okay. going to say, I was going to say, I have a little example that I would want to throw out to you. Something that was kind of in my mind around this particular article worked on a project and I'm going to change the, the names uh, and characters have been changed to protect the innocence here. Uh, but uh, imagine Tommy owns a baseball team, right? And, and he's, he's in charge of making sure that every seat is filled for every game. Right. So if you're looking at, I mean, if, if Tommy's the manager and he's owning this part of the information around himself, he's looking at all the all the uh, games that he has in the future and then trying to look at how do I market these games such that I can fill every seat? What does that look like? Where do I spend my money? Right. That's, that's what that's what Tommy's trying to decide. And I think when we I did a, a project around very similar aspects around this where we we're saying, OK, what is important here? The closer the game is or the closer that the game occurs to today's date, the, full, the more full the seats should be in that stadium. So we built, we kind of noodled around some ideas and started thinking about, well, how can we graphically show the, the distance between now and the new events and then seeing how filled the stadium is? And everyone's like, oh, that's kind of a cool statement. But it was one of these areas where we had, initially we had a big table that was kind of showing a bunch of data it was very hard to determine like, okay, these 10 games are undersold compared to the rest of them because I could see, you know, how everything else is filling out. So, Hey, we're, we're less than 50% capacity on these games that are happening in the less in less than 30 days. Let's focus on marketing those particular events. Maybe that's where we spend our money. And so it was a really, um, I think 
aha moment for the client where we really work together. And I think this speaks to our next topic here around, you know, sitting down and, you know, explaining like how Power BI works, really focusing on what drives action. What are we trying to answer? What's the question? How, how can I look at this and go do something from that? I think if you keep that in the lens of your mind as you're building, I think you get a much better output of the reports. And I think that takes us right into what questions are we trying to answer? Doing the, doing the co-development. Thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, we, we sit here a lot, right? So this one speaks to <laughs> engage, engaging yeah. with the, the business, engaging with the business user, understanding, you know, so it's audience, right? Understanding the totally. use case for this specific report. Yes. And he does a really good job of like picking out some of these insights from this particular report and gives great examples of here's how we would modify that. Here's, mm -hmm. here's what that looks like in a visual. And at the end of the day, you're you're not just producing numbers on a page and not understanding the meaning behind them. Yes. You're taking it to the next level and bringing those folks forward into a tool that allows them to just get the answers that they, they wanted originally, mm -hmm. but had to go find right in, yes. in this other version of a report. So it it's, it's taking a lot of the nuance. What, what I'm, what I'm interested in, what, what it piqued my interest just, as you were like just segueing into this one, word vomiting right is, now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Word vomiting. Uh huh. Yeah. Is is these these three implementations are like it's really easy for all of us to be like, oh yeah, I wouldn't do lift and shift. Oh yeah, requirements. Yeah, that's not going to work. Oh, we totally want to do co creation, but this speaks to levels of expertise of individuals who are engaging in these activities. Oh, good point. Because lift and shift is done by folks who don't know any better. Typically. Or don't, don't know what the tool could right? do. Yeah. Requirements are, I know I need to ask questions. I need to get some information from, from people. Yes. But I'm not comfortable enough navigating and, and driving into those conversations. And Mike, you just, your examples are you being very comfortable in the technology, yep. in the tool sets, in visualization, in questions and answers, engaging, figuring out figuring out like the meaning behind what people are telling you. And that is a learned communication skill, right? Yep. So like ramping up through here, I think we can't be so arbitrary in our implementation and say like, oh, you can't do these other things because I, this, this also speaks to, I think, why you want to level up your skills. So you get to the point where you're very comfortable in the co-creation space. I liked how you characterize that because there's a lot more than just knowing the tool. If you're very tool knowledgeable, that gets you a, a good way there. If you're, if you I would, I would argue if you're very tool knowledgeable, you're doing requirements. And that's, and, and that's what I was, that's what I was, yeah. And I think yeah. there's, I think there's another aspect of this is the aspect of critically thinking about the data, you know, driving for action. And I really, this is where I really resonate with this, this program here. In, in commencing user workshops, he's talking about, you know, asking questions like, how are we tracking versus our target? What does that look like? How do we track to target versus for the whole fiscal year? What is that? And are, are we ahead or behind as, as a year comparison? That, that's an impactful number. If I continually see myself slipping behind month after month, we've got to make a change. We've got to either change our goal or we've got to start doing something different in our business to sell more or do more or lower prices or advertise spend more money on advertising you're now to me those kind of charts are driving for that action pieces and that's where the workshop and the experience comes from you know i would highly recommend and this is what a, a portion of uh, the power bi tips blog that i've done which is go get training on how to analytically think through your data a lot of people just produce reports they're not actually producing insights and i think there's there is training out there that can help you get through this place. And one, one area that I'll point directly to is um, Delta Associates, which is a company that I went through. And this, it fundamentally changed how I look and, at the world of data and lens of data. And I think squarely put me into the, a more comfortable space when I'm conducting these user workshops around what people want. You know, it's not good just to report on the existing numbers, but tie existing numbers to budgets. Make sure that they're aligned. What does that look like as a, as a function of uh, what's happening in your business. So therein lies the problem with this article 
that I and I think some of the things that we're talking about that are essential to these soft skills. Every single approach here in every situation already has a predefined target or objective they're already meeting to, which honestly saves us a ton of time. There's obviously still the requirements gathering, but too often we are dealing with report requirements or report requests that there may be like, we just want to see year over year, but that's not really going to be decision-making. And yep. when you ask, do you have any targets or, uh, you know, like that you're trying to reach like, well, no, we just, you know, we want to see this just get a little higher. Right. Like, and I will argue that till the day I die that you can't measure certain things that let's say are not already predefined. Anything can truly be measured or create a standard. It might not be company set goals, Yeah. but I'll give you an example. If someone's like, well, no, we don't really track, you know, like we don't have a target for our website leads or how many people fill out the form. We just like to see how many people are doing it from where. Well, I would argue that you give the scenario to the stakeholder. Let's say your leads go down 50% um, month over month and three months and you know your leads convert this much that's mm -hmm. going to affect you and the business totally that's a risk and so one of the things that i because again too often people and this goes back to viva goals right in the sense where do people actually have these key results and they're like well no the company doesn't we don't have a set target so you don't have to have one uh i mean are we trying to set a standard like Hey, our, our rates always around 35%. Well, why don't we aim for 38 and we'll build around that? Like, or, you know, try to increase that or yep. what would happen to, you know, the department or the rest of the data here, if one of these numbers jumped 5% variance uh, in a given month. Yep. And then, so basically you talk about risk. You may not know what your actual target is, but at what point to what we have now, if it were to a, a diet like deviate would that cause risk or actually cause concern and start speaking in that language rather than what's your targets you know what percentage over and that's when i i've i've seen people start thinking a different way where even with volumes where it's like we don't have a target for volumes we just like to see it's like that's not true because there's probably a certain category that of you know, like everything that's on the weekends that if we were to go over a certain rate would cause concern because we know everything else that depends on that is lower um or that you know, there's a lower conversion rate when things happen on these mediums yes so track so we want to make sure that our mediums that have the most that convert the best have the most traffic that's just one example but we i i truly believe we deal with no set objectives or you know targets a lot and i think we need to do a better job of again, start kind of defining that, letting them think about that. And that's part of that collaborative effort. Yeah, I think I think we're, as a final thought in here, like I, I wanna point out a, a real particular scope of this article, which is you're taking a report that exists somewhere from a different platform or to Mike, to our point, you're taking from click in here. Yep. And having gone through these migrations, I wanna make a few points that are, are really pivotal in, in making you successful in the future, because I <laughs> comes from experience. I'll just put it I, that way. I, I feel like we need to get the where, wanna, where, warning. Right, this is where, important information. Right. This is important so, information. So what's what's unique about it, reporting that already exists that you're you're having to replicate or refine is you need to fully understand everything about that report and the way people use it in yeah. order to mod in order to get agreement that you're going to modify it, right? There, there's a lot of alignment that needs to happen between teams um, to set the current frame of reference in order for you to like be successful in saying this new report is now in the system and it operates the way all teams are expecting them to be. And this doesn't, this article is like very specific about the reports, but there are like the parts in here where it is absolutely imperative that you have requirements, right? For, for or whether you're building those in here or somebody else is defining that with you and you have the scope of the report. So you have future direction and then you're documenting things as you go because yes, when you're shifting platforms, uh, you're always going to have enhancement requests. You're always going to have people like, oh, well, it did it did this, or they're going to compare your report to the previous one. So you're comparing between two systems. And if you don't have a framework for conversation, 
you find yourself in a very vicious circle where it's like, well, why did we make that change? I don't know. Tommy had a conversation with them and they sounded like it was a great idea. So we changed the visual to here, but nobody put it anywhere. Right. Like this creates this really nasty, like cyclical nature of like always enhancing a report, always enhancing a report because you didn't define like what is what is the purpose of the report? What are we what are we trying to do with this? If we're going to make modifications, these were intentional. It's not designed to look like the old one anymore. Yes. So I would say it is always like co-creation is going to take more time up front no matter what. But you have to look at that uh, engagement and all of these pieces um, as a benefit because you're going to not spend tons of time later on. Because if you don't go through these processes and you don't lay this stuff out, I guarantee you're going to punish yourself in the future because you're going to redo the report. You're going to change it. You're yep. going to, people are not going to be happy with it. You're not going to get user adoption and you're going to spend so much more time on the report as opposed to just doing that work up front and getting 80, 90% of the way through and, and making a, something that's valuable to the organization. I think what you you speak to there works really well when you go to the very sec, the, the last section and you open up, open up the requirement and examples for the third option. When you look at those, you can see clearly there's three key we'll call insights there's three key, three key insights we're trying to ask are we making our target month to date and then excuse me sneeze whoa um and then from that insight here's all the things here's all the cards here's all the data points that will help us make sure we understand are we making our target for month to date here's those key elements and i think this is very impactful because what you're saying, what you're talking or speaking to there, Seth, is if we align on these key questions, if this report is trying to answer this insight, that insight, and this other insight, if these are the three main areas we're looking to tackle, you can't argue with whatever comes out of the report. Yeah, it's going to look right. a little different, but you've already defined the requirements so that everyone understands, like, we're working towards these objectives. The old report, whatever it was, probably served some sort of purpose, maybe did some value or added some you know, helped people look at the numbers. But by identifying these questions, you're reframing the, the problem statement in a way that says, okay, I'm going to leverage this tool, Power BI, in a way that's going to help me answer these questions. And we've had, we, we all agree that these are the kind of insightful pieces of data that are going to help us move our business forward. And it speaks very well to what you were saying earlier, Tommy, about like the marketing platforms and like, you know, I want to spend money and time where I'm getting the best bang for my buck. I don't I don't want to spend a lot of effort, you know, building reports and things that are, you know, not helping me out in the long term. I think this is really good. Super great article. Um really like this one. Highly recommend the read on this one. So, um uh, yeah, good find Tommy. I appreciate you finding this one. This is a really good topic here. Well, with that's the man with his articles. Yes. 100%. Get an RSS feed. It, there's for whatever reason, but Kurt, yeah, phenomenal set of articles. And and I liked I, I looked at the article, I thought this is a one is a very fun article to read, but two, there's a lot of little animations and gifs and and little icons in there all the way through and I thought, man, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of time spent trying to kind of dial it all in there. So, really really good. Uh thank you for your super valuable item to, uh, to the community. Uh Really, really appreciate it. You did a great job on this one. So super fun, great read, highly recommended. With that, you've burned through a perfectly good hour of our time, uh, your time, everyone's time. We're just, wa <laughs> we're, just waste we're just wasting hours. We're gonna see how many people's hours we can waste every Tuesday and Thursday morning. So um, we really appreciate your time today. If you liked this article, if you liked you know what we talked about today and, and you had things that resonated with you, if you learned something, we would love it if you would be able to just share it out on social media. Just let someone else know or tell someone in internal to your company. Let them, hey, I found this podcast. It's worth a listen. We recommend you check it out. So that's our only ask. We thank you very much for your time. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? If you are listening to the podcast right now on your jog, when you're having coffee, on your drive, when you're going to bed, uh, make sure to share the word. Again, the best way you can help us out if you really enjoy the content uh, we don't get money for this. We love it, but we love your uh, your interaction, your engagement. Share the word with somebody. It helps us out a ton. Uh, if you're listening, if you can also join live. We have a really crazy chat today. So uh, 7.30 a.m. 
Central, Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you're listening, make sure to subscribe on any platform that does podcasts. It's going to be very funny because you're going to look at uh, all these different companies, people who engage with the podcast. They're like, wow, you know, Tommy signs in early on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He gets to work up a little early because they want to get up and listen to the podcast right. first. And then, and then, oh, well, I'm up now. Might as well go to work now. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that probably doesn't happen. I mean, that I don't do that at all. I mean, on every day oh, no. I get up at 730 way before and do lots of work before the workday uh, typically. So, you know, that's that's not me at all. I don't, I don't do that. Anyways, thank you all very much. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Thank you.